It's time for JT the Brick, live at Super Bowl 57. Touchdown, Kansas City! Travis Kelsey from Patrick Mahomes! Two teams that I don't like, one that I grew up hating in Philadelphia, and the arch nemesis of the Raider Nation are playing each other in the Super Bowl. So I did not win the lottery on that. No one picked us to win. But I'm pretty pissed off. You can't doubt the Chiefs! You can dislike the Chiefs! You can disrespect the Chiefs! I believe that Kansas City won the game with the help of the officials sound off with jt the brick we gotta do some super bowl talk here the philadelphia eagles have won the nfc championship this is the worst case scenario if you were told me in my life who are the two teams i don't want to see in the super bowl it would be philadelphia the team of my youth that i hated and it would be kansas city attention air traffic control a flock of eagles is heading to arizona philadelphia i need them to beat kansas city raider nation all day i can't ever go for the queen ever 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 so i'm a philly fan from this point until the super bowl is over but i know the job isn't done let's do our job on the radio to root against kansas city the super bowl is set and i got a lot to get to and now live from radio row here's jt the brick jt out of the gate as we're live from radio row site of super bowl 57 uh wow what a great day so far today raider nation Welcome in on Raider Nation Radio 920. We've already had a big day. We are on the Raiders mobile app. We're also at Raiders.com, and we just finished up our first episode of Raiders Roundtable, which was a lot of fun there also. Anthony Munoz, who you'll hear on this show, and also Rich Gannon, who was on with Q. So that will be up on YouTube, and you can check it out wherever you get your Raiders content. And we got a big show, Dana White. Uh, president of UFC is going to join me and a couple other guests. Fred Bolitnikoff, Super Bowl Eleven MVP momentarily. That's Freddie B. It's kind of a tradition for me. This is year 25 for me on Radio Row, and I want to kick it off with Fred Bolitnikoff. So we'll get to Fred here momentarily. We'll have some more Raider content for you. And as I've told a lot of people, what I like to do from Radio Row is I like to hear from you. You are inside Radio Row. You are right here at the Super Bowl. Take advantage of the format. There's so much Raider news going on, so many opportunities to talk about where the Raiders are going into this next season, where they've been, and get your voice heard here inside the Super Bowl. I think it's a privilege. It's a privilege for me to be able to host it. I think it's a privilege for anybody who has an opportunity to call in. I'm going to be thanking all of our partners a lot. That's what we do while we're here. And I want to begin by thanking PTs, as I would not be here Live from Radio Row without PTs, Golden Entertainment. They fuel the monologue. They are fantastic, and I definitely appreciate the opportunity to be here. So thanks to everyone at Golden Entertainment. Uh, PTs with 64 locations here in the Valley as they kick off my 25th year on Radio Row at the Phoenix Downtown Convention Center. Drove out here yesterday, which was interesting. I'm not a big driver. I'm not a guy that loves to drive. I'm not a guy that gets off on driving on long road trips. Been there, done that. But what a beautiful drive. Yesterday morning, I left about 8.30 in the morning from Summerlin. Pulled in four hours and 20 minutes to downtown Phoenix. All the beautiful cactus, Joshua trees. Everything that I saw along the way was just paradise. The weather is unbelievable. And I'll be spending most of the weekend from Friday to Sunday over at the Waste Management Golf Tournament, which should be a lot of fun. That's where all the hype and that's where all the parties are. So Radio Row yesterday, I did my show for Sirius XM. Today, I kick off our Raider Nation coverage here 
for the rest of the week, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Number is toll-free at night today. It's a 702 area code. Pretty cheap for everybody. 702-365-9200. We're heavy Raiders, but I also want to go heavy on the Super Bowl and get your opinion on everything that's happening. Let's kick it off with the MVP of Super Bowl Eleven. my great friend, your great legendary Raider, Fred Bolitnikoff, joins us live from Radio Row. Freddie B., you know how much this means to me. Thanks for kicking it off. How are you? Well, thanks for having me on again annually. <laughs> yes. We've don't been doing this a long time. Hey, don't, don't peek too soon down there now, okay? <laughs> oh, you know me. You know me. I like to peek early, to pull back, and then peek late. Uh, you've been so good to me over the years here and uh, coming in as a gold jacket or just coming in for the Raiders over the years uh, for the Super Bowl and the Hall of Fame. Talk about how those two events – when it comes to the media and your responsibilities, signings, and seeing all friends, those those are two big events for you every year, you and Angela. Oh, yeah. You know, we have the luncheon this week, and that's always good to go to because you get to visit with some of the, you know, all the guys that, that are able to make it for the luncheon to be able to visit with them. And, uh, you know, you have, a, you have some time. You have a couple hours all the time before you get introduced and sit down with some great people that they're supporting the Hall of Fame at the luncheon. So it's really, really a treat to be able to be able to do that every year. Uh, for the Super Bowl, a lot of Super Bowl memories jump out. And for you, it's amazing from Super Bowl two to Super Bowl eleven. We talked about it a long time. You played in the greatest games at the highest level. You built your all-pro Pro Bowl career and Hall of Fame career. But there were a lot of ups and downs, and most of them were great times other than the championship games you lost to on the way to winning Super Bowl eleven. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we were up and down for a number of years, you know, thinking back when we played against the Packers, which seems like a hundred years from now, I'd never thought I'd be alive to even enjoy this time to still see Super Bowls. And then, you know, being in Super Bowl 11 and just that experience with the guys from the Super Bowl two, all the way to Super Bowl 11, it was such a big changeover guys from, you know, older guys to a younger team when we played, the, uh, when we played, uh, uh, the Packers, and then, you know, all of us guys that were young and growing together with the Raider organization to be able to go and beat Minnesota in Super Bowl Eleven. So it was a real treat for me. You know, it was fun. We had a good time. And, you know, it's always fun when you're winning. You know, we lost some of those big games, but, you know, that's what happens in football. You know, you just got to keep going forward and not go backward. Fred Belidnikoff's our guest. So, Fred, from Super Bowl two and growing up in Erie, Pennsylvania and going to Florida State, you come into the league and you have success and you're in that early Super Bowl. What was your memory of Vince Lombardi? You know, the hype is not what it was back then that it is now, but Super Bowl week, knowing that Vince Lombardi and those legendary Packer teams, Bart Starr, was on the other sideline. What were you thinking back then heading into that game? It's like George C. Scott said, I read your book. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you look, you, look, you look across at that sideline, you see Vince Lombardi, and that's all you, you heard from the, uh, you know, being in Erie, that part of the country. You know, the Green Bay Packers, you see him, you see Star, you see, you see all these guys, Horning, uh, everybody, Adderley, who I have still a nightmare about. But, uh, mm. but you know, we, we played against the best. You know, the best that ever played the game. And, uh, you know, we were on the short end of the stick. But, you know, being there on the field with those guys and seeing how they played and, you know, it was just a different different type of tone, you know, to the game, a different atmosphere. 
you know, it, it was an experience. It really was. You know, you had to get over the fact that, you know, you had Vince Lombardi on the other sideline, and uh, this was his team. The MVP of Super Bowl Eleven, Hall of Famer Fred Bolitnikoff, kind enough to join us. So the journey from Super Bowl two to eleven, you get to Super Bowl eleven, and we talked about in the past the preparation for our listeners who didn't hear about practice that week, going up against the Vikings and the pressure to win after winning the championship game. Everybody asking you when you were going to break through and win it. Walk me through the practice preparation that week because it seemed like it was really buttoned up and you had a really good one right before the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. You know, John always made the atmosphere really, really, really easy to operate in. We just carried what we did up in Oakland all the time, you know, before big games just down to the Super Bowl, you know, down in L.A. Uh, So, you know, it was was just a regular week of practice. You know, we did our Wednesday, Thursday, Friday stuff and – you know, it wasn't any hitting. You know, we're just you know just reviewing everything and just doing all the fundamental things to make sure that we all felt comfortable and uh, used to being down there with all the hoopla going around and not getting too crazy. You know, with the atmosphere down in L.A. and uh, being able to play in a Rose Bowl, so it, it was good. It was a good week. It was a I don't want to say it was an easy week, but you know we got a lot of work in. You know, we were a good veteran team at the time. And so, you know, John knew what we could do and what we what we what we needed to do in practice. And you know, we're getting ready for the biggest game that we're ever going to be in after battling all the years to get there. So, you know, it was a good preparation by all of us and a good a good way that John handled all of us in the practices and uh, and going into the game. Fred Bolitnikoff, Hall of Famer, joins us. I want to ask you a personal question about Kenny. We heard how Kenny would like to have fun. All of you guys had a lot of fun throughout your life and your career, especially leading up to games. How was Kenny, the snake stabler, handling the pressure at that point in time for the biggest victory of his life? What were your memories of the snake leading up to that game? Well, we all got, uh, you know, our little, our little group, we all got a chance to meet Sammy Davis Jr. and visit with him. And we got a chance to be around Jimmy and Ronnie Kahn a little bit. So, uh, you know, those guys really made it easier for us, too, especially those Kahn brothers. And, you know, now Jimmy has passed. But, uh, you know, they're, they're always great to me, Jimmy and Ronnie, uh, always. And uh, it was enjoy- enjoyable being around them, seeing them and visiting with them. So, you know, Kenny, we just had a nice, easy week. And, you know, Kenny, you know, everybody said, you know, Kenny is just Kenny. That's that's who he's going to be all the time. And uh, nothing changed for us. You know, we did the same things uh, uh, down there as we would around Oakland. Fred Bolitnikoff, as we wrap it up. So you win the game. Your name's Super Bowl MVP. We talked about that with you over the decades. I never asked you about the celebration that night. You're at the Rose Bowl. What did Mr. Davis do for you? What was the Super Bowl victory parties like back in the day compared to now where guys are getting on private jets, they're going to Vegas, to nightclubs? What's your memory after Super Bowl Eleven that late night, I'm assuming, somewhere in Los Angeles, California? Well, we had a big, big party, huge party at the hotel, wow. and uh, it was amazing. I mean, you know how Al treats everybody in the organization and the players, and it was just a super evening, something to really, really celebrate and bringing everybody together and uh you know for us it was just another big party so it was a good time we had a lot of fun and uh it was special it was really really special it was uh, and you know to see all the guys together and winning 
and that was the most important thing, and just having a terrific time. You know, it was pretty special last year when we were here, and I interviewed Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, when Cliff Branch got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That had a big impact on you. You worked behind the scenes along with Mark and a lot of other people to help Cliff, and then that great celebration that we had in Canton, Ohio. When you think back of that event a year ago when we got the news and then the Canton party and your deep friendship with Cliff Branch, who's no longer with us, Freddie. Oh, I know. I'll tell you what. You know, you think about a lot of times, you know, Cliff, Kenny, you know, a bunch of guys. Willie's gone, and, uh, you know, we just got a, Hubbard's gone. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of characters are gone, and a lot of guys that made such a big impact for the Raiders over the years, uh, they're all gone. You know, the party at Cliff's deal was, was fantastic. I mean, what a party the Raiders put on. It was unbelievable, but... You know, it was well-deserved, you know. It was well-deserved to celebrate Cliff getting into the Hall of Fame. Uh, it was fun, and we enjoyed it, and we, we just we, we celebrated. <laughs> no doubt about it, we did. Hey, Freddie, as we wrap it up, Devontae Adams. You know, you're on the sideline talking to Hunter. You see Darren. Devontae's brand new. Uh, Derek won't be with the organization going forward. There's still a question at quarterback with the beauty and the grace and the strength of Devontae Adams. I'm sure our listeners would love to know what you think of him as a potential future Hall of Famer and what you've seen so far for him as a receiver for the Silver and Black. Well, you know, going being able to be down there on the sideline, you know, prior to the game and watching the guys, you know, warm up even before pregame warm up, you know. And, you know, you just watch him run and, you know, he's a receiver. You know, it's uh, he just stands out. I mean, the guy's phenomenal. You know, and along with him, and along with Hunter, I mean, you know, you got you got two dangerous guys there to play with, and Devontae is just it's just natural for him. I mean, you could see him running down the field. He's so smooth. He's in. He's, the thing about it, I always was amazed about him is he's always in control. You know, you could see yeah. him when he leaves the line of scrimmage. And when he's running down the field, it's so easy. He's just gliding along, has that change of pace, and has a quick feed at the end to make cuts and uh, catches the ball. And he, he makes plays. I mean, he, and he makes fantastic plays, and he makes plays at the right time. Big plays. Are you more, imp- are you more impressed about how he gets behind defenders? I mean, he's not the fastest receiver of all time. Neither were you, but you had the greatest hands of all time. And Devontae makes a lot of big plays in the corner of the end zone and on the sidelines with your famous toe-tapping. Well, you know, that's, that's, you know what? There's only so many people that you get to see that are just so natural that mm-hmm. the field doesn't bother them, you know. And where you're catching the ball, if you're next to the sideline, if you're in the corner of the end zone, or if you're by, by the flag on a goal line, uh, it, it's just so all easy for him, you know. It's just natural for him uh, not to be intimidated by 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 the field at all, you know. No matter where he's going on the field, he's not he's not intimidated at all. He just feels he look he looks at home on the field. It's it's like I always say, you know, he belongs out there. That's that's what I like to say. You know, he belongs out there. All right, here it is. I got to leave you on this. Your birthday's <laughs> coming up on February 23rd. It's a big one. How fired up are you? I mean, you talk about your entire life. You got a milestone birthday coming up. You got the golf tournament coming up. There's a, the Hall of Fame coming up again. It's a big year for you, Fred Bolitnikoff. Well, this is going to live this long. I've done things twice as bad. Okay. Oh, that's funny. 
that is funny. Well, well, I'm going to stay out late a couple more nights. <laughs> you better believe you're going to stay out on your birthday a little bit late. I get a chance to see you all the time in Vegas. Uh, you know what your wife means to me and what you mean to me. I'll see you at the golf tournament, if not before. And thanks for getting me off to a good start. You know, I can't get off to a good start at Radio Row without you. All right. Well, thanks a lot for our annual, our annual meeting. Yeah. Okay, You take care. You have a great week, okay? Take care of yourself. Tell Julie hello. You got it. Fred Bolitnikoff, everybody. How great is that? Uh, Fred Bolitnikoff, I need everybody to do me a favor now. I don't ask for any favors. Put it in your phone. February 23rd, okay? February 23rd, and today's my sister's birthday. Happy birthday to my sister, Dana. February 23rd, Fred Bolitnikoff turns 80. We are so fortunate to have Fred Bolitnikoff in our life, coming up to the age of 80 years old. Raise your hand and beep your horn and tell me how old you were when you met Fred Bolitnikoff. We'll get to that on the other side. 702-365-9200. We have some guests coming up here momentarily. Will Compton, Taylor Juan will join us from Bussin' with the Boys. They're coming up next as we kick off our Radio Row coverage. Right here as we continue, JT live from Radio Row on Raider Nation Radio. Back to JT the Brick, live from Radio Row in Arizona. Brought to you by Subaru of Las Vegas on Rainbow in the 215. Mahomes takes the snap at his right thigh, dumps it over the middle, caught by Kelsey at the 30. Spins back up behind Kelsey at the 15-yard line. Kelsey at the 10-5. Touchdown, Kansas City. In the biggest AFC West game in five years, the Chiefs put the hammer down with a 34-yard touchdown pass. Mahomes to Kelsey, and the Chiefs take a commanding two-game lead in the AFC West with a gutsy, gutsy, gutsy win in overtime. JT back on Radio Row, bussing with the boys. Will Compton, Taylor Lewan, kind enough to join us. Guys, first off, congratulations on everything. My sons, I got a senior at Oklahoma. I got a sophomore at ASU. I think he's probably still sleeping in. He'll be listening tonight. How are you? I'm outstanding, Good, sir. Thank you for having us. Are they awesome fans of the boys? What, excuse me? Are your boys fans of the boys? They're big fans of the boys. Oh, they, I love they've that. They've got dude. every one of them. They download every episode. I want to get into the Max interview. I know Max well when he came here. His sobriety part of the story was really important. Let's jump in and talk about the type of player he is in person to interview. Yeah, Max, I mean, the relationship with Max will obviously uh, put that together when he had a stint with the Raiders. Yep. And knowing what Will has told me about Max, when, I, when we went to interview him in Las Vegas, I legit thought I was going to see my friend. Because you heard so many good things. He and I have interactions on the Bluebird on Twitter. So you think, like, hey, you're just going to meet somebody. Not, and then we get there, we're like, yo, this is the first time we've actually met. And so sitting down with him, being around his family, his three massive dogs that once looks like a damn horse, yeah. <laughs> he is not only an incredible talent that the Raiders should be very happy to have, but I think when you watch our episode of Busting the Boys, you really get to tap into what his leadership skills are like. And he did an incredible job, like 
displaying that for us, painting us a picture of what his day-to-day process is with the Raiders. I think he's an incredible guy, and he's going to be a dude that might be uh, in a ring of honor situation when it comes to the Raiders. I agree. And, And, Will, I wanted to get into it, too, because we thought we were getting a little bit more help with Chandler Jones. He played better near the end of the year. The Raiders are looking for some linebacker help. The secondary overall with that potent offense – what do you see on the defensive side for this team? Because you can only go so far unless you have a great defense, and that's something the Raiders are still working on. Yeah, I know going into this offseason, like trying to trade Derek here before this deadline, I think it's, what, February 15th? Yeah, right around the corner. The boys, the boys up in the front office, they're going to have to be kind of you know, all in and figure out what pieces are going to be in place. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, for like the last, what is it, like decade now, Raiders have been kind of like a bottom-tier style defense. Um, I know this past year, like getting into the new system with McDaniels coming over from the Patriots, there's a lot of man-to-man stuff going on over there. The times I got to watch the games, like I, I know one situation, and spoiler alert, we're going to have – we got to interview Dave Ziegler. Can't which wait we can for get this. In and talk He's about incredible. That a little bit. But what I was talking to him about, I think they were playing the Rams – and seeing kind of the situational football at the end with all with the man-to-man and everything else, um, being able to play better as a unit and being more situationally aware because they have a young football team, I think is where they're going to make their biggest strides going into the second year in that system. Because switching systems is hard, but also they ha- they do have a young football team. And knowing Max, like talking with Jayon Brown, Amir Abdullah, and those sorts of those sort of guys, they talk about the youth on the football team and being able to take advantage of situations because there's a spot where the Raiders could have easily been you know four or five of those losses could have been wins by one play and usually it comes down to being situationally aware and so I see them making that jump going into year two but that's where they need to kind of have their focus on going to the offseason being situational masters we're busting with the boys on Raider Nation Radio Taylor that's interesting because as a when you look as a player and you're losing games you're supposed to win and the fans start doing the math saying well you have six wins seven wins nine wins you should have 12 mm-hmm. you should have this how do you incorporate that as a player when you're back in the gym working out and coming out to practice in a situation where the Raiders were in, where they knew they were better than their record. Yeah, well, I think it, the league is set up to be an 8-8 eight eight league before they put the 17th game on there. So every year there's got to be an emphasis on what are our holes, what do we need to fix from a player standpoint, and then you always got to reevaluate the staff also. I think it's very easy uh, for anybody to get on a keyboard and say, hey, listen, these players do X, Y, and Z wrong. We need to get them out of here. We need to do this differently, this guy. But sometimes it takes in, like when Will's talking about situational football, that is taught on a day-to-day basis in those meeting rooms. Understanding, I, being at the Tennessee Titans for nine years, Mike Vrabel does an incredible job of having guys understand the rules and using the rules to their advantage. Knowing situational football, understanding in a two-minute situation where you're at, how many timeouts you have, when they are going to protect that line, um, the out-of-bounds, when they're going to protect the middle of the field and where you need to get to for a field goal, those types of things. So it's really on the coaching staff to let those younger players know and quiz them. Have make You want to make guys tight but know what they're doing, be in a team meeting room and have anybody is fair game when it comes to asking them questions and keep a standard of what we need to have from an educational standpoint, knowing the rules of the game because that is such such a big thing. So, which you know is a big thing, and that McDaniel's probably brought over. That's kind of like the whole Patriot way that everybody yeah, talks yeah. about. So you they know do, yeah, you know they're in those those situations. An example I was thinking of too, like you know you could be perceived as a bad football team and. T- Honestly, you're always like that close, right? An always that close. 2019, 2020, when you guys started off, barely you're made about the playoffs. To pack it in. You, yeah. you beat the Chiefs right before that bye week, and then you guys went on a run, beat us in Oakland, and then you guys made it to the AFC Championship. You're you're never like that far off. It's, yeah, it's truly honing in on like the details. We're, bust, we're busting with the boys quickly. I got to ask you before we ask about Dave Ziegler. You mentioned the Patriot way. 
this is my 24th year with the Raiders, and Raider fans don't want to hear about the Patriot way. Right. It's been tough on me on this platform. Mm. I'm saying, look, what don't you like about this? This is the most successful scouting and player development program of the last 20 years, and Raider fans want to see victories. So you being a former Raider, knowing the organization, before we get into Dave Ziegler, how do I send the message to the Raider fans saying, all right, 10 wins to six, but what did you see behind the scenes, both of you guys, that lead you to believe they have the right guys in Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels? So there's nothing that I'm going to say that's going to have you carry the torch out to that, to that fan base that's very passionate about losing for a couple decades now. I'm somebody who came to the Raiders in 2019. You got players come in, you know, you get you sign a contract, you come in as like a mercenary. I was only around it for probably a total of 12 games in those two years. I see how passionate that fan base is. There's nothing necessarily you're going to be able to hold on to any offseason. I know that's what everybody has to do, hold on to some, but it's kind of like beating a dead horse at this point. Until the until the proof is in the pudding until it happens it's kind of that's all it is right it's just like right. messaging it's all verbal and i know they're sick of it so there's really nothing that can be said other than the guys in the building you just have to trust the process the noise is going to be the noise but until you get those those w's in that win column you know it's not going to go away and one thing about mcdaniels too is like he has to be in a growth mindset you've seen the bre- the, the belichick tree and who has succeeded and who has not succeeded one individual that has succeeded is Mike, Mike Vrabel. That's the only person I really have to go off of. But when Mike Vrabel first got into Tennessee, every single player was there like, this guy's an asshole. It's not going to work. Now you see him adapt and realize what works, what doesn't, and kind of work through that process to become yeah. a very credible uh uh, elite coach in the NFL, regardless of what the record was this year. Guys, I know you got to go. Tease the Dave Ziegler interview because yeah. before he was a football guy, this is an amazing story. Tell us about that. So in, so I, I went. To, I grew up here in Arizona, the, the maybe the best state in the entire union, and I went to Chaparral High School my senior year. Dave Ziegler was, who is now the GM of the, uh, of the Raiders, was my high school counselor. Literally the reason why I was even eligible to go to the University of Michigan to play football. Incredible. I have had an incredible relationship with him. I really believe, and I can stamp approval, whatever that means to the Raider fan base, he is an incredible guy, and this is not a man that's going to be making decisions from a fear-based standpoint, which yes. a lot of people do. Two points. When- yeah, go sorry. When it, which a lot of people do when it comes to getting a high-end job. When you are with... A, when you were a GM of any NFL team, there's only 32 of them. Ziegler is not going to sway and move around to give the people what they want. He's going to do what's going to be the best for the team. And I think he showed that when he did the, um, the Derek Carr situation. Fantastic. Guys, continued success. I really Thanks mean this. Lot, brother. Hey. We'll talk to you down the it road again. Really pleasure. appreciate you. Come Thank on. You. Keep busting and keep getting all these interviews at Radio yeah, Row. Really you. appreciate it, guys. All the best. Congrats on everything. Bussin' with the boys, my first time talking to him. What success Carol Lewan and Will Compton have had with that streaming podcast and what they're doing. They really are rock stars in the streaming world. And very interesting because when they sat down and we were in the commercial break, they were telling me, JT, they wanted to introduce myself, and they said, we want to talk about this Dave Ziegler interview. So fantastic that that is coming up. They teased ahead. Bussin' with the boys sat down with Dave Ziegler, and... I knew from meeting Dave socially a few times, and my wife, who's a teacher, was a teacher, telling me about Dave's background and what he was able to do as a counselor. I had no idea that Taylor Wan gives Dave Ziegler all the credit for getting him to the NFL via college football and counseling him and helping him at a growth stage of his life where he desperately needed it. That is something I want to see. And they did that extended interview with Mad Max Crosby. So bussing with the boys. And, again, my sons will be uh, pretty excited about that because that's one of the few podcasts 
along with Raiders Roundtable and everything else that my sons are able to download. They'll really get a lot, of, a, a kick out of that one. 702-365-9200. So this is how Radio Row works. We are, we're busy, we're crazy, and we got to keep going. Chris in West Oakland, if he's still there. Chris, thanks for being patient. Thanks for kicking us off from Radio Row. What do you got? Hey, JT, you know, when I think of Radio Row, man, I always think of New Orleans 2002. I got a picture somewhere still of me and you sitting in your little booth with the great Deacon Jones, one of the greatest pictures I've treasured. And anybody that's never been to a Super Bowl, never had a chance to get to Radio Row, if you're a fan of the sport, it's a, it's a bucket list item. There's nothing like Radio Row, and when we did it in New Orleans, it was phenomenal. Great interview with those two guys, by the way. Really insightful, and that's a great story about Dave Ziegler. Main reason I called, I'm going to be brief, you know, I heard the Freddie Bolitnikoff, and you talked about the first time you ever saw or met Freddie. I saw Freddie in 72 the first time the week before the Immaculate Reception when my dad took me to a game. The next year, I met Freddie Bolitnikoff at Raiders Night at the Colombo Club in Oakland, the Italian men's club they used to have that. Jim Otto, Ben Davidson, uh, Dave Casper a few years later when he came on board. I remember going outside looking for my dad. He's standing on the stoop outside, actually in the smoking section. It was still inside. There's Freddie Bolitnikoff with a bunch of guys standing around smoking a cigarette indoors. And when I think of Fred Bolitnikoff, JT, you talk about the greatest, one of the greatest catches I ever saw. It gets lost in the shuffle as a sea of hands catch right before the end of the first half. Tim Foley, the safety from the Dolphins, is literally holding Freddie B's arm down. In the back of the picture, you can only see Fred's hand below Foley's race. One hand, left hand extended, both feet inbounds in a corner of the end zone for a touchdown. That, to me, was Fred Bolitnikoff in a nutshell. And I know how much he means to you. And, man, I can't believe the guy's going to be 80 years old. Um, so, real quick, JT, the other thing is I'm going to give my prediction on the game right now. i got road games uh, Wednesday and Friday. I don't know they're getting a chance to call in. I predicted the Kansas City Chiefs over the Green Bay Packers at the start of the season. I was wrong with the Packers, but I believe the Chiefs are going to get it done. The last time Mahomes was in a Super Bowl, he did not have an offensive line. And when I say didn't have a line, I don't mean a couple of guys were banged up. Three starters were out, and the other two were playing in position. He literally did not have a line. I know they're beat up a little bit at the receivers, but I believe Kelsey... I believe Juju Smith-Schuster will be enough to get it done, and I believe enough in Patrick Mahomes. I believe in Andy Reid. As much as I hate the Chiefs, I know about Reid's record coming off a bye. And the great Troy Aikman said something a couple weeks ago that I fully believe in. People are talking about the Eagle defense. Defenses win championships, but quarterbacks win Super Bowls. Watching Jalen Hurts against the Niners, I don't think his shoulder is anywhere near healthy. They won a game without a quarterback. I just think Mahomes and the Chiefs, are going to be too much to get it done. I hope I'm wrong, JT. I don't like the Eagles, but I hate the Chiefs, but i got to go with the boys in red. 31-23, Patrick Mahomes will put up his second Super Bowl in five years. The guy's already a Hall of Famer, but he's just going to keep ascending, and unfortunately the Raiders are going to have to deal with this guy for the next ten years. Thank you, my friend. Have a great time. I know how great Radio Row is. I wish I was there with you, brother. Talk to you later. Oh, my God, I'm devastated. Chris in West Oakland went with the Chiefs. The great, legendary Chris in West Oakland on the flagship of the Raiders went with the Chiefs. That cannot happen. Again, I don't like the dirty, stinking, green, drunk birds of Philadelphia, but I need the Chiefs to lose for the Raider Nation. Raider Nation, unite. If the great Chris in West Oakland has the Chiefs winning as an underdog, we're in trouble. 
I need some anti-cheap calls this week, man. It's going to be a long off season, long off season. If the Chiefs end up winning the Super Bowl, you know I hate the Eagles. Well, I don't hate. I dislike the Eagles, but for the big purposes of the Raiders in Vegas, we do not need Kansas City coming to Las Vegas as the defending Super Bowl champions. We're going to host this Radio Row in Vegas next year. I don't want to see any Kansas City video of Mahomes holding up the Lombardi telling the world that they're a three-time Super Bowl champion. This whole thing is about the numbers game. The Raiders still have an advantage over the majority of NFL teams to have ever played with playoff wins, the greatest players playing in the greatest games. Yeah, it's been rough sledding for the last 20, 25-plus years. We get it. But the history of the league started with Fred Bolitnikoff, who played in Super Bowl II and Super Bowl XI. Super Bowl XI matters just as much as Super Bowl 57. Does everybody understand that? It doesn't matter what year you win the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl counts equally every year in the pantheon of the NFL. The Raiders have three. They played in five. Kansas City has two, and they're 50 years apart. Okay, they won Super Bowl four, and they won Super Bowl 54. Let's make sure Kansas City, after winning Super Bowl 54, wins Super Bowl 83. Or 87. We don't want to put Kansas City in the driver's seat on anything going forward. But Chris is one hell of a football fan, and he knows football well. And he's leaning towards the Kansas City Chiefs winning this game. Keep the phone calls coming, man. You just heard Fred Bolitnikoff. We're bussing with the boys. I got Chris Myers, Dana White from uh, UFC coming up here. You want to be on this show this week live from Radio Row. Hardcore Raider gets it. He's checking in. What's happening? Hey, JT. Hey, I love Chris, but that's crazy, man. I'm going to let my Raiders hey, Raiders flag fly. Fly, Raiders flag fly, because I ain't going for no Chiefs any day of the week. I don't care how much money someone betting on the game. Hey, I got two questions for you, though. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, think, thinking about the Super Bowl coming up, I know you guys are going to interview a lot of Raider greats. Uh, one of the questions, uh, I'm curious if you or Q could ask uh, some of these guys that were part of the uh, old Raiders history and greatness is how much of their like success was hard work ethic versus just God-given talent. Okay, I know it's always a mixture, but work ethic versus just God-given talent, which leads into my sec- second question. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, four- I'm 40 years old, JT. We're coming up on the 40-year anniversary of the last time the Raiders have won a Super Bowl. I'm a Raiders fan because of my father, right? And all of us in Raider Nation have been riding – uh, our father's coattails, unless we're uh, some old-school cats, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're riding Al Davis's uh, legacy, but it's time that we build our own legacy, right? The Chiefs can win a Super Bowl coming up uh, here this weekend. They will be tied with three Super Bowls with the Raiders and the Broncos. The Broncos have been a lot of Super Bowls. I think, I think they might be the most losing a Super Bowl team in, in the NFL. But anyways, what AFC team, minus the Chokers, are going to be the first one to get to four Super Bowls. Because I'm tired of living in my dad's legacy. I'm tired of the Raiders losing. And there's no way in hell I will ever root for the Chiefs or want them to win. Get the hell out of here. Let's go Raiders. Yeah, appreciate, yeah, appreciate the call. Again, I make this up because it's fun. And we're doing Raiders radio. I do a national show at Sirius XM. I don't treat the Chiefs as hard as I do on Raiders radio on those other platforms. I care about Raider fans, and every Raider fan I know despises Kansas City, Denver, and the Chargers, and we got to stop them from winning.
period. And I think the Chargers could be one of the Raiders' biggest problems with Justin Herbert and the talent that they have with Derwin James. Unfortunately, their coach, Boyd Blunder, Brandon Staley, has held them back. But they have Kellen Moore. They have a very good offensive coordinator who's going to get more out of them. Sean Payton. I have some sound coming up with Sean Payton. I mean, on paper, he's going to be a nightmare for the Raiders. That's a great coach. Not a good coach, Sean Payton. He's a great coach. So he's going to make the game plan more difficult for Josh McDaniels and the silver and black. And then we know what's happening with Andy Reid. Andy Reid's not going to walk away with Patrick Mahomes in his prime if he loses the Super Bowl or not. So the Raiders got a lot of work to do. They really do. And they got to get this thing going. But I have a feeling that the Raiders are going to be in a situation to win their fourth Super Bowl in Vegas in the short term especially if they go balls out and they go big for Aaron Rodgers. You know I wanted him to go for Tom Brady. Whatever they want to do, Mark Davis wants to win now in Vegas. Team took a step back with the win-loss record. No debate, but they're swinging big. They're swinging big with the players that they have, and they're not going to stop, stop swinging. I spent time with Mark the other night and talked to him on and off the record about the direction of where this team's going. He wants to win more than ever. The revenue structure is increasing. The cap's going up. They have the money to go get great players, and they're going to recruit players to come to the Raiders for a discount and play for this organization. I think there are bright times ahead, but you've got to win games. If you win games, that does it all. If you don't win games, all we're doing is talking about how do you win games. The time to talk about winning and how to do it is over. Now they have to do it on the field. It's going to take a great offseason by Dave Ziegler, a great offseason with him getting a superstar potential quarterback and building through the draft. When we come back, Jeff Sherman's going to join us from the Westgate. I'm going to go back to Vegas, to the Westgate, and he's going to tell you how to bet the game and some of the props. It's a big interview because Jeff is the vice president of risk management over at the Westgate. He'll tell you exactly where the line is as we speak and what it will take to bet this game correctly. The JT The Brick Show is live from Radio Row in Arizona, thanks to Subaru of Las Vegas on Rainbow and the 215. So many kids out there, so many kids that, you know, they may tell them to change their position or do whatever it is, but, you know, it, it can be done. It can be done, and this is a historic moment, and I, I know it'll be a show. It'll be a fun one. I love everything about Jalen Hurts. I, I said it again. I wish he was the quarterback of the Raiders. I really do. When he came out of Oklahoma and Alabama, I love everything about Jalen Hurts. You'll never hear a bad thing said about Jalen Hurts from me. He is the perfect football player. JT for Michael E. Minden, Diamond Jewelers, my personal jewelers in Vegas. Fashion Show Mall right next to Macy's. Easy to find. Michael E. Minden has great values, tremendous service. If you're looking for a personal jeweler, Michael E. Minden is my personal jeweler. As we bring in Jeff Sherman, uh, VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate back in Las Vegas. And, Jeff, I see as I'm talking to you now live from Radio Row, minus one and a half for Philadelphia. 51 the total. Tell me about the sport of this game so far for Philadelphia. Yeah, we've uh, we opened this game at Pickham. It got as high as Eagles two and a half, and as you mentioned, we're currently sitting Eagles one and a half. Uh, we've got 71 percent of the tickets and 53 percent of the money on the Eagles side. And uh, with the total, we opened 48 and a half. It's up to 51. A lot of sharp play up to get it up to that number. 
Is that typically where you're at on a Tuesday going into a Wednesday historically when you look at the money and the tickets on one side? Yeah, I mean, it's so early. We get, you know, 80% of our action Thursday to Sunday, the weekend of the game. So this is very minimal. You'll see a lot of things change, but it's not surprising that it's on the favorite team right now. Jeff Sherman, that's very interesting, Jeff. Our listeners want to know about that. So the handle picks up from Thursday up until the game. What happens? Is that most of the number come in early Saturday, or is a lot of it Sunday morning when people get to books all around the country and start waiting to the last minute to bet the game and the props? It's pretty fluid. Like, you see it Friday evening all the way to Sunday, and then everyone pretty much has their wagers in uh, about an hour before the game starts. The lines kind of slow down a bit, especially with the mobile app available everywhere now. If you want a last-minute wager, a lot of that comes through the mobile app. Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate. So you sent me the props the other night. Uh, Tell me more about it, setting up some of these fun props. Maybe give me two or three and some of the action that came in early that surprised you. Yeah, we've seen a lot of sharp play on these, and that's what you get mostly the first week of them. You know, the public will get involved the weekend of the game, but a lot of sharp play on Mahomes' first pass complete. We opened minus 215. It's up to minus 240. Jalen Hurts' first pass being complete from minus 190 up to 220. Uh, We've got some different ones this year. You know, we have over 400 props, so we keep trying to come up with new ones. Uh, One of them, will Kansas City convert a fourth down attempt in their own territory? And we have no minus $6.00 whereas they're minus 140 on the yes to convert one anywhere. So uh, a, a different twist to that one. And, you know, with this being tied into uh, down in Phoenix with the, the Phoenix Open going on, we use a Phoenix Open winning score of the golf tournament, minus 27.5 against Jalen Hurts passing yards. So trying to tie in some local flavor there. Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate. Tell me about the action on MVP because a couple of people that I've heard are talking about Travis Kelsey, and I always give them the honest answer. You know, tight ends don't win the MVP. The quarterback who throws to the tight end wins. What could Kelsey do in this game that could change that historically? I think you're right. I don't think there's much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we opened, we opened Mahomes plus 130 and actually saw sharp money on him for MVP down to plus 120. Kelsey's gone the other way from 12 to 1. He's up to 18 to 1. Uh, we've wow, taken some money on some. One. Yeah, we've taken some money on some long shots like Kadarius Tony at 100 to one, Kenneth Gainwell at 200. But uh, most of it's been on Mahomes, and just like you mentioned, I mean, if if Kelsey gets the stats and gets a couple touchdowns, it's coming from Mahomes. Unless he throws a handful of interceptions, that would detract from him. He's more likely to get it. Tell me about MVP odds for AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, two receivers that could have. An impact game, a difference maker. Either one of them could get two touchdowns or three touchdowns and be in consideration for the MVP. Yeah, they're sitting at 25-1 to right now and uh, Mm -hmm. not too much support in that range. So, uh, you know, you'll see those drift out a bit if we don't get it. Uh, People like to get high reward for little risk, and that's why you're seeing it on guys like I mentioned, Tony and Gainwell. Uh, I'm also very interested in rushing yards from the quarterback, and I'll start with Jalen Hurts. And the prop there, Jeff, if you can bring it up, I think he's the type of guy that can run people over, can run hard. And I've been – one of my big storylines here from Radio Row is the improved Kansas City defensive pass rush, especially from the interior. If that works and they flush him out of the pocket, I think Jalen Hurts is going to have to run because I like the improvement of Kansas City's secondary. Give me that number if you can. Yeah, we're up to 50-and-a-half after opening 46-and-a-half. So a lot of support over for him. And we've seen a lot of support over for Mahomes, too, where – you know, we factored in his ankle injury a bit, and his rushing yards have gone up from 10.5 to 19.5, which is 
an enormous jump, you know, closer to a, a 100% number that we would have to put up. But um, both quarterbacks a lot on the rushing total over. Wrapping it up with Jeff Sherman. Jeff, tell me about how the number moved with Kyrie Irving going to Dallas. That was a shock with the trade deadline coming up on Thursday. Rumors of Kevin Durant maybe to the Celtics. What's changed with the NBA odds uh, short and long? Yeah, mostly with the Mavericks where we were at 25-1 to 1 prior to the trade. And I didn't think too much of this. You know, Irving still has a lot of issues to work out. But uh, I went 20-1 to 1 and just saw a flood of action at 20-1, to 16-1. to 1. It settled at 12-1 to 1 on Dallas. And, you know, they might not be done making trades, which, which can enhance it. And that's what might, some people might be thinking. But, um, you know, the Nets, I went all the way out to 40-1 to 1 after they lost Irving. But I've taken a lot of money on them to get them back down to 20-1. to 1. There's talk that Durant could be on the move to Phoenix, Boston. So mm-hmm. a lot of things are going to be fluid over the next couple of days. And, Jeff, as we wrap it up, I'll be out at the Waste Management. I can't wait to go. You know how much I love golf and talking golf with you coming off Pebble Beach and the delay and the closeout on Monday. Uh, give me your idea about this tournament, the pressure, the noise, who the favorites are coming in, and maybe if you have a long shot, maybe from 25 on out, maybe to 50 or 100. Who do you like coming into this weekend, Super Bowl week in Phoenix? Yeah, with this being an elevated tournament, you have a, a strong field, almost like a major. You have Rom, the eight one favorite, McElroy at nine to one. We've actually seen sharp money on the matchup on Rom against McElroy, and McElroy hasn't been a, uh, too much enthused about this course. With the you know, he's not too, one that likes the the beer, the loud noise, everything like that. So a lot of support for Rom. If you're looking down the list a bit, I played Matt Siyama at thirty eight to one. He's got a stellar history here. And I also like Alex Norman at eighty to one. Thank you, Jeff. It's always great to talk to you every week, but especially from the Super Bowl. I'll see you when you get back, and uh, good luck. I know you have a big crowd over at the Superbook at the Westgate. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks, JT. Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate, and sharpest odds out there. As he said, 51 the total for the Super Bowl. It's Philadelphia minus one and a half. Let's get out to Mark in Colorado. Mark, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Of course. Thanks, JT. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing real well. Thank you. Good. Hey, um, let's First things first, Super Bowl, right? Let's see. Uh, I just don't see the Eagles losing this one, and for one big reason. One, Pat Mahomes isn't exactly the same as he's going to be as far as mobility is concerned. But the big factor here is the Eagles' defense, and I have yet to, in the last, just looking through the last 10 Super Bowls, found a defensive line where the starting four averaged double-digit sacks for each position. <laughs> so I think Kansas City's going to have their hands full on that offensive line in a big, big way, and I think they're going to be able to slow them down in a big way. They're also going to have a short game going on because they have more of a triple option type of style offense with a lot of running from the quarterback. So that game's going to get grinded down quite a bit, a little bit more, unless Eagles come out and they just completely just, you know, crap the bed. And they're not going to have, you know, come out and lose momentum or give up a, an opening opening run kickoff or a touchdown, something that absolutely steals momentum, which is the biggest thing in Super Bowls, right? But short of that, I, I just don't see them contending with that particular defensive line. I don't think they faced one like that their entire year. <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't, I, I, I'm in the Eagles camp on, on that one in a big, big way. But don't you, you know, have, aren't course, you aren't you more impressed with Kansas City the way they're playing defense than any other time in the Andy Reid era? I think this is one of their best and most physical defenses coming into a Super Bowl, and I can't shake that. The way they held Cincinnati back to when it was 13-3. to Cincinnati couldn't figure them out early in that game. I'm worried that Philadelphia is going to struggle in that first quarter because Kansas City came out red hot at home. Without a doubt, but I believe that they're overachieving a bit. And, and 
Cincinnati's offense is predicated around Burrow being able to throw the ball all over the field, right? I don't believe that the Eagles' offense is predicated upon that. I believe that their offense is really built around the type of running from all the way from the ends up the center, and they're going to build a lot of stuff off that and, and, and throw off play action because Hurts is a massive threat to run. <laughs> so I, you know, and of course, you know, Spags is going to come up with his pressure defense and try to dictate what type of tempo and protection they're going to be in. I still think they're going to run at it in the first quarter. Might be a little slow. But after a while, it's got a bust. And so I, I, I agree with you, Kansas has been overachieving and playing a little bit better. They're not playing Cincinnati Bengal type of offense, though, mm-hmm. where they can drop back in coverage, rely on their speed, and, right. and, and jump up and try to snap the ball. It's just different. And so I, I'm thinking that it's going to be a, more of a struggle than people realize. And, you know, Eagles have a higher-ranked offense and a higher-ranked defense altogether blended and averaged out than Kansas City does. Thank you. Excellent phone call. That's the type of phone call that we want. Now, I want to know how you bet in the game. You know, we're a Vegas-based show on Raider Nation Radio. We're a Raiders show, an NFL show, and we want to know how you bet in the game. And uh, a lot of people are on the Eagles. As Jeff Sherman said, the public's going to come in. I think the public's going to be on the Eagles. And I'm not a Kansas City fan, but if I was, I'd love to be betting Kansas City getting points. If I had Patrick Mahomes, I've said that about Brady. No matter who the legend is, when you can get points with a legend like Tom Brady or especially Patrick Mahomes, you take the points, you order up the beer, the tequila, the Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Remy Martin, proud partner of the show. And you take the points and you go over the total. 